May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning, and may the words from my mouth be just what we need to hear today. We attend church. Sometimes we attend Bible studies, get together with little groups for various reasons, and we do it because we feel good there. We feel the presence of the Lord with us there when we gather together. We feel cared for when we come to church. And yet, in almost every Christian gathering, whether it be in church on Sunday morning or a Bible study, there's, there are those words that strike fear in every person's heart. Not when we pass the offering plate, but when somebody says, would someone like to pray? It's terrifying for some people. You can almost hear the theme song from Jaws. Pray. Wow. Nothing makes people want to run and hide or go underneath, climb underneath the table than to, be, to ask them to pray out loud. Now, why is that? Because most people think that they aren't good at prayer. What does it mean to be good at prayer? And who's the judge of prayer? Us? Other people who are sitting around with you while you pray? Or God? Actually, if you want a really bad example of a prayer, here's one for you. Bubba goes to hear the preacher at the First Holiness Church. When the preacher asks that anybody who needs prayer to come forward, Bubba gets in line. And when it's his turn, the minister says, Bubba, what do you want me to pray about? And he says, well, preacher, I need you to pray for my hearing. So the preacher puts his hands over Bubba's ears, and he prays a prayer for Bubba's hearing. And when he's done praying, he says, Bubba, how's your hearing now? Bubba says, I don't know, preacher. It's not until next Wednesday in Little Rock at the courthouse. That might be an ba- example of a bad prayer, also a bad joke. So maybe praying is a little bit out loud, is a little more difficult than pastors want to admit. Maybe that's why Jesus was so understanding when his disciples, who'd been with him for a long time, said, Teach us to pray, like John taught his disciples. In the New Testament, there are six Greek words which are used to express the idea of praying. And some of those words mean begging. And sometimes we do go to God and beg, or we pray urgently. In our reading this morning, Jesus and his disciples are using the Greek word prosuke when they talk about prayer. Prosuke is a face-to-face, intimate discussion in which we surrender ourselves and our lives to God. We're talking one-on-one to God. So the disciples aren't just asking for a prayer formula. They're asking how to communicate closer to God. They're asking Jesus, what do you and God talk about? Why does it seem like my prayers are hitting the ceiling? What does it mean when God doesn't answer my prayer? If God knows everything, why do I have to spend time praying and ask him for things that God already knows I need? All these questions that you and I might have about prayer 
might be included in the disciples' request when they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And as usual, Jesus gives us so much more than we ask for. He gives us what we didn't even know that we needed. In these next verses that Lauren read for us this morning, Jesus wasn't just teaching them about prayer. He was teaching them about our relationship with God. Before we can understand prayer, we have to understand our relationship with God. And so Jesus begins the most famous prayer in history with one word, one incredible word, Father. Father, the one word that changes everything. Since 1986, the Burning Man Festival has been celebrated in the Black Rock Desert in Nevada. Thousands of people come and gather for a big party celebrating art, community, and self-expression. In 2003, somebody brought a big portable phone booth to Burning Man, and they called it the God Phone, and they set it up in a field. Above the booth is a sign that says, Talk to God. Below the booth, buried underground, is a cable that leads to a secret location with another phone, which is really only about 100 feet away. And that's, the, that's where you answer. Someone answers the God phone. Anybody who wants to play God and who can find the secret location of the phone is welcome to sit and listen and respond to prayer requests of callers from the God phone booth. There's a journalist named Leora Smith who said that she once got to play God at Burning Man. And then she went back to interview others who also took their turns answering the God phone. She wanted uh, to understand the risks and the responsibilities of listening to and responding to strangers' confessions and questions and problems and heartaches. The people she interviewed were asked questions like, what is my purpose in life? How do you answer that one? Why did mom leave? Can you watch over my son in rehab? I'm worried. This could be his last shot. Smith also met a woman named Jade who was watching over the God phone and making sure that there were plenty of volunteers available and someone always there to answer the calls. And Jade told Smith that only two rules for people who signed up. One was... Encourage a kinder, gentler God. And number two, remember that God always, always answers. Jesus didn't need to encourage a kinder, gentler God. He already knew God as his loving parent who he could trust with honest questions and his deepest needs. A loving parent who always answered him. A loving parent whose name is holy and whose will is perfect. And with this one word, Father, he was trying to teach us the same thing. Listen carefully. If you don't take anything else away from this morning, listen to the next few words I'm going to say. Prayer is not about the words that you use. Prayer is not about the words that we use. It is about the relationship that we have with God. There was an amazing woman whose name was Sojourner Smith. 
I'm sorry, Sojourner Truth. Sojourner escaped from slavery in 1826 with her baby daughter. She became an abolitionist and an advocate for civil rights and for women's rights in our country. She was one of the first African-American women to win a court case against a white man when she won her, son, her young son's freedom from his slave master in 1828. She was faced with tremendous opposition and threats. She worked anyway for civil rights for all people, especially for Afro-Americans and women and for the poor. Sojourner's courage and determination came from her faith in God. Her mother taught her to trust God with every need in her life. She says she remembers her mom saying, my children, there is a God who hears and sees you. And when you are beaten or cruelly treated or fall into any kind of trouble, you must always ask help of God. And God will always hear and help you. My children, there's a God who hears and sees you. If we really believe that statement, it would change our whole understanding about prayer. So you have questions about prayer. So you're not sure you're doing it right? Don't let that stop you from praying. Don't let that stop you from seeking a closer relationship with God. That's the first thing that Jesus is teaching us here. Prayer has to do with our whole relationship, not the words that we use. The second thing that Jesus is teaching them is to trust God's will in all things. And this is a tough one. If you know God as a loving parent, then you trust that God only wants what's best for you. That's why Jesus could pray so simply. He kept it very simple. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Help us to forgive others. And lead us not into temptation. All pretty simple. Why is it so simple? Because he's talking to his loving Father, the Almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth. He could ask for anything. And yet, he is telling his disciples and us to just ask God to provide for our needs, to forgive our sins, and to keep us from temptation. With this prayer, Jesus is saying, let go of the outside pressures, like worrying about food or shelter or how you're going to pay the bills, and your internal conflicts like anger and bitterness and temptations, and just trust that the God who loves you is working in your life and always will be working in your life. There's an old story of a man who needed to send a letter from his remote village to the next village. So he asked his son to take this message and make the trip. The son had never traveled that far on his own. He looked at the trail ahead of him and I said, Dad, he said, Dad, I'll do anything for you, so of course I'll go. But I don't see how that path will ever reach the next village. And his dad pointed toward the horizon and he said, do you see the trail as far as the big tree down there? He said, yeah, but that's as far as I can see. He said, when you get to that tree, you'll see the trail a little bit farther ahead. And then just keep walking and you'll see the next part of the trail. Just keep following what you'll see, what you see ahead of you, and before you know it, you'll be in the village. 
There's so much in this life that we don't understand. There's so much coming that we can't see coming. We've been knocked around by this, tr this fact for the last couple of years, few years now. We never know what's coming next. It's easy to get stressed out and to get anxious and nervous and to beat ourselves to death trying to control things when these things are really uncontrollable. Jesus lived in peace. And the reason that he lived in peace was because he trusted God's will for him. He trusted that there was a trail ahead even though he couldn't see it all at once. So he prayed and he kept moving forward. And that's what I would challenge you and I to do. Pray and just keep moving forward. A piece of that trail at a time. And in this prayer, Jesus is teaching us to trust God's will in all things. And the last thing that Jesus is teaching his disciples and us in the Lord's Prayer is to come to God expecting good things. I don't mean come to God expecting that all your prayers are going to be answered right away or come to God expecting to get exactly what you ask for every time or even come to God feeling better because you prayed because sometimes you won't feel a bit better after you've prayed. If we are believing in some nonsense about prayer that doesn't line up with what God says, prosperity, you know, pray and you'll become wealthy, all of that sort of thing. We're going to end up disillusioned and hurt. And that's why there are so many people who are disillusioned with the church today. Because there are those in the church who are preaching that kind of a message. Saying that if you're not blessed or if you're not healthy or so forth, it's your fault. You don't have the faith. Well, that's not the way it really works. Jesus does want us to come to God. And he wants us to come to God expecting good things. Because he loves us enough to give us what we need, not what we want, what we need. If I gave my kids everything that they want, we would have to add on to the parsonage about every other week. But by golly, we do give them everything they need. And that is how God is as a parent. In verses 5 to 8, he uses a good example. He uses the example of a friend who gets up in the middle of the night and he finally gives the bread to his neighbor just because of his shameless audacity. The word here literally means no shame. It's a compound word and this word is only used one time in the entire New Testament. Only in this story. What kind of God lets us come to him with no shame and ask things of him and sometimes make unreasonable demands of God. I think we can find the answer in a Bible passage we all know, the story of the prodigal son. In this story, a younger son with shameless audacity demands to get his heritage from his dad while he's still alive and then as if that isn't shameful enough, he goes off to the big city and he wastes all of his money on living it up. And then when he's broke and he's feeding pigs to try to get by and he's at the end of his rope, he heads back to his dad. 
And on his way home, he's practicing the speech. He's going to say, Father, I have sinned against you. I'm so sorry. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then Jesus says, well, he was still far off from his house and still probably practicing that speech. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Full of fear, full of shame, the son headed toward home only to have his father come running to him to welcome him home with open arms. Now to me, that story makes no sense. That God would let us come to him, not in fear, but with shameless audacity and ask for what we need. After all that that kid did to his father, he came running to him that's an example of how much God loves you. He loves us that much. Think of the things you've done. Think of the times you've denied him. Think of the things you've passed that person by who you thought might need some help and went, oh, maybe another day. Think of all the, the, the sins you've committed in your life, and yet God holds not one of them against you, not one. Instead, he wraps his arms around you and he says, I love you, son, I love you, daughter. It's okay. You're forgiven. What if we really believe that? Would anybody need to teach us anything about prayer? Would prayer become like love to us? Something that just flows naturally between us and God without any fears of what we're saying or any burdens or shame? blocking our way. There's an actor, there's an actor named Ozzie Davis who learned about faith in God from his own dad. He says he was taught by example what the presence of God in a man's life should be. He visited his father, he said, as he lay dying, and in spite of all of his pain and his weakness, his father was still praying. He said there were no fancy words in his prayer. Instead, he seemed to be having an intimate conversation with God. Jesus' disciples asked, teach us to pray, Lord. And he taught them to pray, and so much more. There's no reason to be afraid. God is a, like a loving parent. You can trust God's will for you. You can expect good things from God. So come to God with shameless audacity. Never, ever be afraid. For everyone who asks always receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. My prayer for all of us today is that we take these things to heart and apply them daily in our lives as individuals and as a church. Let's unlock the power of prayer in a mighty way. We can do that. It's very possible. Amen.